Ladies and gentlemen, this is Book Music, and I am Tosh. And I am Kimley. And we have, we read a book that we're very excited about. Oh, first of all, I should explain this episode real quickly, that we focus on books about music, written by musicians, could be a memoir from a musician, or music history, or a character that's a musician in a novel or fictional work. And this show is quite unique for us so far. Because it's a book by Patti Smith called Year of the Monkey. And in actuality, it's not a book about music. or It's a memoir or a sort of a journal of a musician. But when you read it, I don't get a strong sense of music in the book. No, definitely not. I mean, she talks about music in her life as part of her life. Mm-hmm. But... Um... The book is definitely more, as you say, it's kind of a journal, but it's it's not really a journal either. It's it's similar, I think, to her last book, M Train. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a it's a bit of dream state and journal and lots contemplation, of lots of coffee, lots of writing. You know, she has a very serious coffee problem. I think she drinks just the right amount of coffee. I'm a big fan of the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a remarkable book. Okay, The Year of the Monkey is the year 2016 in this specific book. Yes. And it deals with loss and sort of rambling, you know, the sort of not endlessly rambling or, or rambling from point A to point B, but it's sort of about. So it's sort of like a, a, about space to me in a way, you know, like it's like after a tour mm-hmm. and she's, you know, maybe winding down and yeah. she's just sort of, you know, just her mind is sort of off in different places and physically she goes to different places, but it's almost sort of a, 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 a in a dream state that she goes to these places. Yeah. To me, she's the quintessential journeyman or journeywoman, as the case may be. But, yeah. you know, she's always on a journey, it seems to me, whether it's a physical, mm-hmm. she's going someplace, or a mental, emotional journey. But she's always, that's to me, it's it's all about her journey. Mm-hmm. So I think um, it's super interesting to me that it's, it isn't, as you say, so much about necessarily going from point A to point B. But, you know, the fact that she's uh, talks a lot about these sort of various pseudo dream states like Uh you never know if things are real are they a dream the various things she's doing when she was hitchhiking yeah it took me a moment thinking wait does patty (laughs) smith actually hitchhike (laughs) when she hitchhiked was a strange yes (laughs) a couple times (laughs) yes some strange person pick up with her yeah john waters of course (laughs) john Waters, of course hitchhike but then i thought patty smith hitchhiking I mean, I could. I want to believe it. Yeah. You know, it does. You it, don't know. I don't know. It's a blur. Yeah, and it doesn't. And it doesn't. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't. Well, it doesn't matter in the sense that we don't know for sure what what is true or well, not. Well, it doesn't true. matter for us. No, us being the readers. We, yes, the mm-hmm. readers. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter for us because we gather whatever we want from what she's saying. Yes. Regardless as to whether she absolutely did it or not. Yeah. So the book is sort of like a. It's a journal. Um. It takes place in the year of the monkey, 2016. And what struck me, you know, just even from the beginning of the book, it's a book about death in a way, or a book about things disappearing. It's definitely a book about loss. And 2016, for those who can remember 2016, (laughs) 
was a year of incredible loss, like cultural iconic people died in 2016. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody from David Bowie to Prince to Leonard Cohen. Yeah. Uh, and numerous TVs, <laughs> TV celebrities from my generation. Yeah, it was a rough year. Uh, so she, too, had a rough year. And, of course, you know, no one experiencing these losses. Of course, the end of the year of the monkey ends up with a gentleman by the name of Donald Trump of sorts. Yeah, she brings that up. So it's sort of like a really downer year, yet... She has a spirit that seems to take all this in, and it's sort of part of the journey in itself, I think. Yeah, I mean, the book definitely has a melancholy feel to it, but I never got depressed reading it. No, it's not depression. No, it's not depressing mm-hmm. at all. There's, you know, there's a sadness there, and, you know, there's pain, but um, there's something about her that still always seems to have some hope. Um, she always seems to be. Moving forward, she doesn't let herself get stuck. No, this wasn't. This was actually really nice about her work, her writing. It's like she's not. She can almost, if she wanted to be, be like a self-help guru, mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but she doesn't take that route. It's just no, basically. God, her, I can't imagine her doing that at all. I can't, but but this the material alone could. I uh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you know, it could lead yeah. to that direction if yeah. she cho- if she chooses yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. And she doesn't, which we both, I think, we're very happy she doesn't. Yeah. But it's interesting that she, um, you know, you learn about how to deal with people's loss and our, our sick people. And mm-hmm. two prominent characters in this book is uh, a gentleman named Sandy Perlman mm-hmm. and, of course, the legendary playwright, writer, Sam Shepard. Right. Who Sam Shepard, well, both of them are very much keyed into the whole Patty Smith Mythology, you know, yeah. you know, like Sandy Perlman was early, 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 early part of Patti Smith's career, right? And then, of course, Sam Shepard is sort of one of those peop- key people who sort of, um, I won't say mentor her, but she definitely partnered into. Through him, became the Patti Smith that we all know, and yeah, it and seems left. to me they were both really essential into encouraging her in her early career. Mm-hmm. Um, she said that uh, Sandy Perlman was the one who told her, who encouraged her to uh, front a rock band. Yeah. For the, you know, Fetty, um, Sandy Perlman might be an obscure figure. I mean, I mean, as you explained, he, he is a record producer, manager of the group called the Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> and the Blue Oyster Cult, though they had Don't Mind the Reaper, which is the famous mm-hmm. cowbell. <laughs> More cowbell. <laughs> More cowbell. <laughs> More cow- <laughs> and it should be famous for that. It, it definitely has a strong cowbell Gotta sound. Gotta be famous for something. <laughs> <laughs> so perhaps Sandy Perlman is... is <laughs> the, what, the greatest contribution... I wonder if that's what's on his tombstone. The greatest, More cowbell. <laughs> the greatest contribution is not Patti Smith, but the cowbell. Blue Oyster Cult, I've never been a big fan of theirs because I really haven't listened to the music. Yeah. But what I do know about Blue Oyster Cult is their basic, like, sort of a metalish rock band. Right. But it was highly literate lyrics. Mm. Like, uh, Perlman got Patti Smith to write some of uh, the lyrics, mm-hmm. as well as, like, Robert Meltzer, who's, like, a rock critic. Yeah. And some other people. So the lyrics have always been sort of on another level. Yeah. Besides the music. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
And I think Patti Smith had a relationship, like a boyfriend who's in the Blue Oyster cult as well. Mm, yeah, I think name, I read that somewhere too. Who yeah. I think maybe passed away as well. Mm. It's kind of interesting. All the, a lot of key people in her life passed away. Yeah, I mean, she does mention some of the others who passed away earlier. Her brother and her husband, obviously, husband, is the most brother. important. And, and I think mother. the same year. The brother and husband. Her passed. husband and brother passed away in the same I year? I think so. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Wow. And in this year... I mean, yeah, 2016, two prominent people were sick at the same time, yeah. Sam Shepard and uh, Sandy Perlman. Yeah. So it's the book is, that's great to, how she deals with this. But it doesn't, again, it's not dealt in a depressing way. No. No, but it's, but it does, but I did, I do get the feeling of things like she's you know, approaching her 70th year at that time. Right. So there's definitely the aging process and acknowledging the aging process, you know, yeah. at one ages, as well as people like Sam Shepard, who is, at least in my mind, is always the early, the the very masculine, heroic, mm-hmm. cowboy type of guy, you know, right. riding a horse, extremely handsome, you right. know, good looking, and then him, sort himself, his body is decaying, as she sort of comments on, yeah. And um, and Sandy Perlman is totally um, um, he's not there. He's he's uh, right. In a coma. He's in a coma. In a coma. Yeah, that's terrible. And the book doesn't end them actually dying. Either one of them, right? I mean, there's no. Um. Uh, well, she mentions going to the the memorial service for Sandy Perlman. Oh, you're right. You're right. I think that Sam Shepard died after the uh, shortly after. Yeah, I think uh-huh. he died in 2017, not 2016. Okay. So yeah. So that's. Yeah. The book is very is very strict in that year, but like yeah. January to she December. She doesn't really dwell as that much on the actual death. It's mm-hmm. more just the contemplating mortality and her own mortality. You know, as you say, she's facing seventy, mm-hmm. and so she talks a lot about that getting older. But she still seems so vibrant to me. I mean, I'm going to say something somewhat provocative to some of our audience, but I think that Uh-oh. the last couple of books are the best thing she's ever done. I like it. I like these books better than her music or any of the earlier books. And it's not to say I love the other stuff. It's uh-huh. great, too. But I found, like, especially these last two books for me were transcendent. I just well, really loved reading them. That's totally outrageous, Kimberly. Isn't it? It is. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Actually, I agree with you. Yeah. I think her, her work now is much, much more interesting and much more powerful than her records. Yeah, I think so, too. She's, she's a fine wine. She's a she's fine wine. <laughs> getting better with age. And, you know, she's a, yeah, Patty Smith is is remarkable because she, she it's not really just Patty Smith. She always brings this whole culture with her. Sort of like yeah. all the great, my favorite, like David Bowie brings his culture. Exactly. You know? And Patty Smith is somebody who always brings, like, what she's reading, what, mm-hmm. you know, her literary heroes. And she brings it to that, you know, she brought to music. Yeah. And she obviously brings it to... Her books, her right. literature, and um, and she has amazing taste, and it's so eclectic. Yeah, and it's high low and everything in between, uh-huh. so it's just so vast that she really has a lot to draw upon. Yeah, like M Train, she exposes her love for British detective shows. Right, I love that. <laughs> like all the PBS. Yeah, 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 and the don't... Scandinavian mystery novels and <laughs> stuff. Know. Yeah. Yeah, she likes mystery books mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. and the whodunits type yeah. of stuff. Yeah. And uh, and this book as well conveys her love for mm-hmm. um, uh, European uh, mysteries and, yeah. and mystery TV shows, 
and also her love for like little small boutique hotels or motels. Yeah. And yeah. what hotel she stays in the Dream Hotel? Well, she yeah, so, when yeah. she she first gets there, she thinks it's the Dream Motel. Mm-hmm. But then as she goes out, the sign speaks to her. <laughs> I love the sign. The sign keeps coming up and she says, you have to, uh, uh, what does she say? Something like, oh, one need only read the signs. And she sort of means that literally and obviously figuratively. Mm-hmm. But the sign keeps popping up as a leitmotif throughout the book. As she hears it in her head saying things yeah. to her, but it was actually the dream in, not the dream motel. Ah, to her dream, perhaps. <laughs> so, you know, she she's also, I think, probably a remarkable travel writer. Yeah. I mean, her book is about traveling, in a mm-hmm. way, or it is about traveling. But it's not like sort of like what she ate. I mean, she eats pretty much the same thing every day, no matter where she is. <laughs> and coffee. Uh, <laughs> well, I liked the Huevos Rancheros story, though. What was uh, that? I can't remember. Uh, Ernest takes her to his favorite uh, Huevos Rancheros restaurant while they're, she's hitchhiking And, and with Ernest him. is the guy who picks her up. Well, he's, yes. He's, uh-huh. he's I think he's a made-up. To me, he, Ernest always seemed to show up just when she needed him. Right. She meets him in the cafe. She sits down next to his table and just by chance, they're talking about Roberto Bolaño's 2666. Like, yes. Because that happens to all of us all the time. Uh, yes, yes, yes. We just sit yes. at a cafe and some yeah. amazing conversation about some, you know, yeah. highbrow literature is going on next to us. <laughs> and then she meets him when she needs a ride somewhere, you uh-huh, know. Uh-huh. So I think, you know, he's that... Uh, I like that he's called Ernest. Yes, Ernest. (laughs) He's very earnest. He's always there when she needs him. And he disappears when she's ready to be left on her own. She really likes masculine men. Mm. I noticed that in in all her work. Yeah. And reading like little bits and pieces of her biographies, I read like, please kill me and stuff like that. She likes like strong... Well, she's very strong. So she needs a masculine man, I think, to... uh be a counterpart you know she yeah. can't have a weak man a weak man couldn't handle her i i'm weak i couldn't handle her. oh please <laughs> but but it's, it's interesting but she she likes like to me she always liked the human even like you know like robert yeah. Manfred, like, strikes me as a very strong male character yeah. in her life and sam shepherd of course is sort of like uber mm. male to me yeah that's true. and you know and her heroes are all kind of like um uber males like bob dylan strikes yeah. me as um but they are also all poets, so to speak. Yeah. Either genuinely poets or, you know, very mm-hmm. close relation to a poet. It's interesting. So they all have a sensitive side. They're all incredibly intelligent. And most of them are dead. And most of them are, well, <laughs> as we get older, that seems to be the story, right? <laughs> well, not only that, but she, I think she has a romance with 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 dead artists and writers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting that a lot of the writers she mentions in the book right. are dead. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, she loves all the 19th century French, you know, right. Rimbaud, Rimbaud, especially. Rimbaud, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, uh, who are dead. Mm-hmm. And I think somehow their death is equally as important to her. That's how I feel. Well, she does like to go visit their grave sites and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So that's true, yeah. And she seems to, you know, I don't... I think uh, she's very romantic in that way. You she's know? very romantic. Yeah. But it's interesting that since she experienced so much a loss in her life, um, maybe more so than uh, you know, a lot of people who, yeah. in that, in that in like a short period of time... Well, certainly losing a spouse at that. I uh-huh. mean, that was a young age to lose a spouse. And her brother, her younger brother died. Yes. Young, so. And it's so it's, it's interesting that she has this um, 
how she deals with these this loss. And I think that's part of her writing that makes her writing so profound. Yeah. Including those kids is the fact how she, you know because when, when you read these books, you know these people are de- you know dead yeah. already. So yeah. you're, you're really dealing with somebody who's doing with living the present, but very much dealing with the past, either imaginary past or right for real past. Right, and that's sort of like, to me. That's sort of the the the, uh, the fuel for Patty Smith's identity or her stance right. in life. Right. Well, these people are always a part of her. I mean, even the ones she never knew. You know, like Rambo. It's funny because somewhere I read. I can't now remember. Sometimes I get things blurred. If it was mm. in this book or somewhere else that I read, she, when she was young, she felt Rambo was her boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. And she, turned, yeah, she, and she gets very uh, attached to these people. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. You, you, in your, I, I, you let me look at your notes. <laughs> and I showed you my notes, of course, which I wrote like a whole book here. As you yeah, can tell. yeah. Pages of notes. <laughs> and you mentioned something I never thought of, the uh, Andre Breton's Naja book. Yeah, that kept popping up in my mind for some reason. I was reading it because... The way she talks about meandering through the various cities she's in just made me think of that. You know, it's because it's that mix of very tangible when she talks about the details of wandering through the city, but then it's also like in a dream state. Yeah. I don't know. It just made me think of that. It seems similar. And I'm sure she must like Breton. I mean... I can't recall ever her, her having her hearing her mention it, but I would no, be shocked if she didn't. Like I, she never mentioned, as far as I know. But yeah. the format of the book and Nadja are very similar. And throughout the um, through the year of the monkey, there are images or her Polaroid photographs. Yeah, and then, and except for a couple images, like her, there's a picture, a clear picture of her son and daughter. Mm-hmm. Most are kind of. Not abstract, but kind of. They're very dreamy. Dreamy and poetic. Yeah, and. Nadja by Breton has images throughout the book right. too, which I think are pretty much all secondhand, even mm. from. Mm-hmm. I can't. I don't know if any of the pictures he actually took, or mm-hmm. I always got. I, was, I have feelings from other books, or. Yeah. But it's. It, but again, it's conveying the journey, that like sort of this poetic journey. Yeah. You know, and like Breton is like looking for this woman, Nadja, through, you know, I presume it's Paris. Yeah. And it's more about the city than anything else or about the dreaminess of a city yeah. or urban life. Yeah. And the Patti Smith book, she never gets into like cities, more into like desert or countryside or beaches. Yeah. You know, she has a thing like about Rockaway Beach, which I never, have you ever been to Rockaway Beach? Uh... No, actually, it's funny because that's where my dad grew up, actually. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so I presume, I, I have this, I think, you know, I think it's a unique place, Rockaway Beach. Yeah. Because, you know, it's east. Yeah. And we're in the west coast, which, of course, we have the beach. But I always think of it as equivalent to, like, Venice Beach, like 1950s. <laughs> mm. Mm. You know, I just think it's a sort of, um, not a high class or a, like a sort of like a working class area. Yeah, or, yeah. Yeah. But she goes, you know, she lives, she has a house there. Yeah, she bought a house there. It's an interesting place for her to have chosen. Yeah. And I like the part of the house where she talks about the house being kind of mildewy and... Right, well, she <laughs> talks about like a flood or something. Yeah. And, um, but you don't really, in the book, or you're a not... Leak? Sh- a leak. Remember. But yeah. you can't really tell how much of the what she's saying is real or... But it devastated the house. Dreamy, she, she, her house got everything wet. <laughs> yeah, it didn't sound good. So I, yeah, it was... Uh, like much of the book, it's it's all a blur between dream and reality, and um, you know the chaos and 
you know, is it really as bad as it sounds? But, you know, it doesn't really matter because for her, obviously it is. It is, but yes. But I felt, I also feel, this is another thing interesting about Patti Smith is that everything she does, it's always Patti Smith-like. Yeah. So I can't picture Patti Smith living into a mansion. I think she could afford to live in a mansion. Mm. But either he, she does perhaps, but, <laughs> but but the presentation she gives to her readers or to yeah. to her listeners, like a Patti Smith world. Yeah. So she does, yeah. in a Patti Smith sense, live on the beach, on Rockaway, you know, Rockaway Beach. Right, right. In this sort of beach house. Ramshackle. Or Ramshackle house. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like... I'm sure it's not a glamorous place. Um, no, she never conveys yeah. anywhere that's glamorous. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't even think in the real world that she... That just doesn't strike me as being her personality at all. No. But it's, it's interesting, like her writing is so strong in character. Yeah. And her lifestyle seems to be the same essence of her writing that's very, yeah. you know... It's like a Patti Smith world. Yeah. You know, you think of Sinatra. Sinatra is not going to live on Rockaway Beach in a. Right? <laughs> no, he's going to live in a mansion. <laughs> yes, he's going to live in a mansion. He has like a bar in every room. So you know, each performer or each character have their own identity and how they convey yeah. themselves in a sense. And Patti Smith always conveys herself as sort of like, um, sort of like a 21st century beatnik. You know, more than yeah. anything else. Yeah. Well, I think environment is really important to her. Um, She's always seems to be drawn to places that suit her personality. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just would never see her going someplace that didn't wasn't right for her. You know, the kinds of places. You know, when she talks about going to the beach or the desert, or you know, it's like all these places. And the the photos that you see, it's never anything obvious. Mm-hmm. You know, and she's so in tune to details. I just. I love how she um, really looks at all the little things going on, you know, and I love how she, the minutiae of the world, you know, and how she got all a, obsessed with these candy wrappers, the yeah. detritus of the, the world, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like she finds something special in them, you know, maybe not good. Is it good? Not good. She can't really decide what to make of these candy wrappers, mm-hmm. nor can I. I. I'm still pondering the candy wrappers, but they kept coming up in the book. Candy wrappers really is a big part of the book. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It was very fascinating. I was like, what is this about? And it's like candy wrappers from a lot of places. Well, they were, at first she didn't realize it, but then she has this conversation with those kids mm-hmm. in, the, in the diner and mm-hmm. Um, they look at the candy wrappers and they're like, well, it's misspelled. Maybe they're like, you know, fake versions from China or something. That's another thing about her is that you don't think of Patti Smith as being funny, but she's hysterical. Yeah, she is funny. Uh, there were parts of the book where I was just laughing out loud. Mm-hmm. The, the Belinda Carlisle Matters chapter yes. was so good. It was yes. so funny. It was just, I was on the floor laughing. It's nice to have that go-go's. Go goes reference in, yes. in the book, like in a book by her. <laughs> exactly, but it was great. It was like the that particular chapter had an amazing last paragraph where she's she is at home after so the chapter is she meets this guy who's graffitiing on a wall that Belinda Carlisle matters and uh-huh. and Patty's like, well, why did asks the guy why does Belinda Carlisle matter? <laughs> she says, because she's got the beat. <laughs> Which was hysterical, right? And it's like, okay. So she's like pondering that. And then she goes home and she ends up seeing a video of the Go-Go's doing We Got the Beat. And she's like, Belinda Carlisle does matter. And then she has this 
paragraph that's great where she's just like Belinda Carlisle is just so energetic and you know effusive and she's fantastic and then she like goes on to start talking about like uh, the West Side Story and you know mm. the Jets dancing and then she's like talking about soldiers and spies and then she ends the paragraph with uh, this great line saying she goes from Belinda Carlisle to William Blake's angel streaming from the turning pages of the Book of Life mm-hmm. and that's the last sentence in that chapter mm-hmm. and it's just like she's so she's so magical to me I mean mm-hmm. she just really like goes she she puts you on this roller coaster of really yes. amazing imagery and feelings and. Yeah. It, it is a Patty Smith world. It is a Patty Smith world and and I'm glad I live in a Patty Smith world for sure. <laughs> and also it's interesting, you know, it's okay, she's a musician, she's a singer, songwriter. Mm-hmm. That's what, you know, as a poet of course. It's 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 inter- you know, it's how do you, do you relate anything from her literature from her music? I mean, do you see a bridge put anywhere? I Tell you if I don't, I see her work, her her for me, her texts, her books mm-hmm. from Thus Kids, M Train, and then you know You're yeah. the Monkey. I see it totally like really like literally works and not really. Um, she could have been a, you know she be, she could be a waitress. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't mm. the the music thing is not a real big aspect of who she is in the book to me. I mean, they, I, yeah. you know, she's more like literary minded perhaps. Or I more... think so. It's funny. Cause at one point in the book, she's talking about Sandy Perlman and how he encouraged her to front a, a rock band. And she's like, but I have a good job at a bookstore. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, clearly she's far more literary minded mm-hmm. than music. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think, I think I'm sure she loves music. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she probably loves most arts, you know, like yes. like most of us that are interested in one art, we, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I'm sure that she loves music, but I think that's one of those things that just kind of happened for her, is mm-hmm. my guess. It, it was easy for whatever reason, you know, she's mm-hmm. obviously very talented. Mm-hmm. She's very charismatic. She's got that rock star persona. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that that is probably why she ended up pursuing mm-hmm. music. It was an easy way to make a living. Yeah. You know, that she enjoyed, yeah, she, and she could do it without, you know, uh, going against anything she believed in. It wasn't right. like she was, you know, corrupting herself in any way. She well, never did anything overly commercial. No, her, she stayed true to herself. She's one of the first people to actually put literature, like the romanticism of literature, with the romanticism of rock and roll together. Yeah. You know, yeah. she made like she didn't make them, but you know, she actually brought Rimbo into the rock and roll yeah. world. I mean, you can argue that Jim Morrison, The Doors, did a similar yeah. thing. But Patti Smith was she more... She was a pivotal figure. She's more it. straightforward. Yeah. Like, this is Rimbo, this is rock and yeah, roll. Yeah, she doesn't hide her influences whatsoever. No, not at all. Yeah. And that's and again, as I mentioned earlier, that's one of the reasons why I like her is because she's willing to share her culture. Yeah. And I think for her writing... I mean, when you listen to her music, she just references galore literature and old songs and stuff. But I'm really impressed in her, in her books that she, uh, especially in year of the monkey, that she's um, willing to express that culture and present it in such a a marvelous way. And I think year of the monkey is actually my favorite Patty Smith book. Yeah, it might be mine too. It's pretty, I I'd say it's close to M train. I really like both of them quite a bit. And here's a little interesting personal mm-hmm. story. Yes. 
Patti Smith was my very first live concert with the Ramones opening. Whoa. When I was about 13 or 14. And then, and you lived. I know. And the funny thing is, I had no idea who she was or the Ramones when I went to see them. I was living in a small town in Pennsylvania, and a good friend of mine, her father, owned one of the local radio stations. Uh, uh So we got free tickets to Uh the show. Wonderful. And this was right before Easter became a big hit, before uh, because the night became a big uh, hit. So it was, uh, it was, I guess, an early mm-hmm. section of the tour of uh-huh. uh, Easter. And uh, I remember we got to the theater, and there was this big cutout uh, cardboard thing of the Ramones with their torn jeans and mm-hmm. everything. And we just looked. My friend and I were just looking at them, like, "Oh my God, who are these weirdos?" <laughs> and then uh, the show went on. And then Patti Smith, I remember, she was wearing thigh-high stilettos. And all these kids kept trying to jump up on the stage, and she kept, like, kicking them (laughs) with her stilettos. And I was like, oh, my God, who is this woman? (laughs) So I was just, like, I was, like, totally baffled and not sure what to make of it. But it was really a seminal part of my music education, for sure. I saw her her when her first album came out. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, and John Cale, who produced that right. album, was on the stage with her. Oh, nice. They did uh, My Generation. You know, who's oh, my wow. Generation? Where did you car? see her? At the Roxy on the oh, Sunset Oh, wow. Square. That must have been amazing. <laughs> it was good. It was yeah. definitely memorable. Yeah. I, actually, I totally forgot about it until you mentioned your show. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. so that was, uh, yeah, The Year of the Monkey, this, a brand new book. Yes. By Patti Smith. just came out on Tuesday on, uh, well, let's see, I... We're going to put this out on the 15th of October, but the book came out, I think, on the 24th of September. Yes. So yeah. if, if any of you out there who read the book, or if you haven't read the book, you can say you wrote the book. You know, you read the book. I don't, <laughs> we I'm won't not, know. We won't know. If you, you, can make, you can comment on our, on our book uh, music page on Facebook. Yes, yes. If you want. Yeah, definitely. So um, join our Facebook group, and uh, yeah, we'll discuss the books, ask us any questions, and you can follow us also on Instagram, and we have music playlists for everybody. Um, There'll be a Patti Smith the, one. Yes, definitely mm-hmm. a really good Patti Smith one on Spotify and Apple Music. Mm-hmm. And um, next time, we are going to be doing a 33 and a third book on the golden hits of the Shangri-Las by Ada Wolin. Leader of the pack. All right. He cried. <laughs> I'm listening to all the songs. <laughs> I'm a big Shangri-Las fan, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you, world out there. I'll see you later. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>